0: What were Jesus's last words? Go out into the whole world and make disciples. This Catholic podcast is all about helping you respond yes to the final and greatest invitation of Jesus, the adventure you were made for.
1: Together, let's explore what the worlds of business, education, organizational leadership, popes, saints, scripture, and the church herself say about
0: fulfilling the Great Commission. Alrighty, Justin. So we are here, our very first episode what is the vocation of the church? What does the church exist for? Yeah, Dan, I
1: think uh, you and I have done a lot of research mm-hmm. on this. Got into the book we've written together that's going to be coming out later this fall. But it's to evangelize. That's what we're here to do, and um, that's mm-hmm. why the church exists. Jesus said it himself in the Great Commission.
0: Yes. So this, when we were doing research for our book, one of the lines that shocked me the most. This was from. Evangelii Nunciandi, which is a great encyclical on catechesis and evangelization. It's paragraph 14. Evangelizing is, in fact, the grace and vocation proper to the church. And I'll admit that really struck me when I first read it because I thought that doesn't feel like it's right in the sense that this doesn't, that's not what we look like. That's not what we're doing right now. Um, but I thought, okay, he's a Pope. He probably knows better than I do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I know that was one of the things I really wrestled with and tried to get my head around. So as we were writing the book that refocused and reframed the way I think about what it means to be Catholic, both from a professional perspective, because I work for the church like you do, but personally, because I know that I need to step up to the plate and do whatever the church is asking me to. And I'm not evangelizing as well as I would like to, and I want to start.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that I that resonated with me as well uh, because you know, it's not our lived experience of the church every day. We don't feel like we're evangelizing all the time. And you know, I had a priest several years ago uh, flip it back towards me because I I was talking about young adult ministry with him and saying how, you know, the, the young adults really want to feel that the, the church is reaching out to them and he looked at me and he goes, "You are the church." And that was a big moment for me in my life because it made me realize that when I think about the church, I can't always look to the, the hierarchical structure. I can't always look to the parish office or the diocesan office. I need to look at myself right. and say, am I evangelizing? Am I sharing the good news that I have, and am I doing it joyfully, like Pope Francis has been calling us to do, the joy of the gospel? Am I, am I doing that? So I think that call is for the church uh, overall, but all of her members of the church, that our primary purpose in life is actually
0: to evangelize through every aspect of our lives, letting God shine through. For sure. And one, one little litmus test I like to give when I'm out and about talking with people is when is the last time that you invited somebody to consider being Catholic? Or maybe if it were a little bit more of an accompaniment minded piece, when is the last time that you began the process of helping someone come to know Jesus Christ so that on their own, or if you extended the invitation, they would be willing to consider very seriously that invitation to be Catholic. And if it's been more than a year, then I think we can be, it's like saying, when's the last time yeah. you exercised? If it hasn't been a year, you don't exercise. Right. And if it hasn't been a year, or if it's been more than a year since you last invited someone, it's probably fair to say, like if that were me, I would have to say, okay, look, I, I admit, I don't evangelize well, and I need to change things. I agree, you
1: know, think about the term practicing our faith, right? Well, the church says at a minimum, at a minimum, you should be going to confession once a year. At a minimum. If you're not, you're not practicing your faith. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you, Dan, that gosh, if it's been a year and you haven't invited someone into the church, you should be doing that. I think about my own life and and I am so eager to invite people to the latest club or maybe ministry I'm trying to get going, but the church herself, asking someone outside the church to come in, man, I could definitely do more of that.
0: Right. Agreed. And It's not a part of our culture yet, but that's really why we have this podcast anyway, so that we can start to see a change in that culture, which we think the Lord wants. So the first thing I want to do is is kind of state clearly why I think this is happening. We have forgotten our missionary identity. And we need to embrace the mission Jesus established. Now, we're already doing part of that. You said, what does it mean to be Catholic? Well, it means to do certain things. We attend Mass. We receive the sacrament. We receive the most lots of sacrament during Christmas and Easter. We attend reconciliation at least once a year. But it also means that we're sharing the faith. And it, it's not this this kind of like, make sure you're checking all the boxes, but If you are in love, if you love God, you want to tell people about Him because your heart is just overflowing. And I know there's moments when the the love of God is very near and present to my heart. I can't keep it in, and I don't want to keep it in. And I think that's the goal for everyone.
1: Well, that's really, you know, uh, it's the secret sauce that's not very secret. I think a lot of times we put it on ourselves to do everything, but if we remain in the vine like Christ calls us to in John 15— Um, if we remain close to Him, it just kind of bursts out of us, because we encounter the person of Jesus Christ. His love is so real and dynamic that we say, I have to tell people about this, because if they don't have it, they are really missing out. So really, the key to evangelizing is first making sure that you yourself are cultivating a real
0: dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And to give a little bit of a kind of an underpinning or a justification for this, some people might want to push back and say, well, no, there's more to being Catholic. Or maybe for me, Catholic is, being Catholic is a little bit different. Um, but let, let's just look at the last words of Jesus. So pretty much the last thing he said to his disciples was, go make disciples of the whole world and teach them everything I've commanded you. And I think we're actually, we embrace that teaching part well, and we recognize how beautiful the the rich intellectual tradition of the faith is. Um, but that, for the most part, I think that comes after people have already come to to know and desire a relationship with God. And after that, then the teaching is, is something that it's embraced, I would say, more joyfully and more patiently if yeah. we already have that desire to love God.
1: Yeah, I think perhaps one thing that gets in the way or, or confuses us is when we get to the how. What does it look like to evangelize? And many might say, I'm not called to be a street preacher. I'm not called to be out there. Ah, uh, talking all the time about Jesus Christ. Well, the how might vary person by person, right? But we're all called the evangelists. But to cite an example is Saint Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa. Love reading about her life because she preached really through the life that she lived, and she actually didn't. She would talk about Christ, no doubt about it, and the truths of the faith un unabashed, unabashedly. Uh, she would talk about the truth. But um, people were won over by her generosity towards the poorest of the poor. And people would come from all over the world to just see what is different. Why is she, how is she doing this? And that's really where you want to get people to is they look at your life and they say, what does he have that I don't have? I want that. And then you can say, oh, it's Jesus. The reason I'm able to do all these things, the reason I'm able to love the world is because of Jesus. It's not me. It's not the books that I've read; it's Jesus Christ Himself coming to life within me. That's really how you set the world on fire.
0: And I think if we start to give Jesus a little bit of room to work, then then that will happen. We don't; we can't let perfection stop us and say, "Well, when I get all the arguments down, and when when I'm a little holier, and when I know a little bit more, uh, it, it's almost it's like okay, no, now's the time to start." And we'll, we're definitely going to get into the, the specifics and the how of doing that throughout this podcast the the kind of the course of the whole season of the podcast Um, but just starting and being willing to let that relationship develop and um that that in itself gives god space it's kind of like god can't steer a parked car if you are not moving if if you're just kind of stalled if i'm stalled thinking like i have to know more i have to be like i'm i'm in my 30s if i don't know enough now i'm probably not ever going to to, to start sharing the faith and yeah. this is for all the baptized this is not for some like special secret ninja group of Catholics this is for all of us there's a, a very new uh, church document put out by the Pontifical Council for the new evangelization so that should give you a clue on what it's all about um, but in the introduction I believe it's page five there's a line that says something like this there can be no alibi for anybody in the church not to evangelize this mission is for everyone it's not just for professionals. It's not just for priests and religious. This is for every baptized mm-hmm. Catholic.
1: Now, I, I love that, Dan. And I think um, one thing that really helps me is thinking about the four stages of discipleship. I believe these were coined by Sherry Waddell. And she says there are four stages folks will move through. Uh, first is going to be the wanderer, right? So think about people in our lives, maybe in our own lives. When we were just wandering, kind of not really looking for the truth, Then you move to the seeker, saying, okay, I want to know what the truth is. Then next, once you find the truth, who is Jesus Christ himself, the way, the truth, and the life, you move into a discipleship mode. You say, I want to follow him. Then, and only then do you move on to the apostle stage after that, where you go and announce the gospel to the world. So I think even with that paradigm, we see that if we want to share the gospel, if we want to see other people fall in love with Jesus we have to start by following Christ ourselves. He's the one that's going to give us the nourishment and the strength, especially through prayer life and the sacramental life, to go out and preach to the whole world.
0: For sure. And, and that, I, want to, I want to key in on, on something you said, because you, um, you, you identified we are all at, at a different stage in our life, kind of in, the journey close to God. And imagine for a second if a doctor only had one prescription, no matter who came to see that doctor. Uh, yeah. If whether they had a broken leg or yeah. a sinus infection, and the doctor said, "Here, here is what you need. Yeah. And what, what Waddell was getting at is um, everyone needs a little bit of a different medicine based on where they are. And um, that those early stages, another another way of, of breaking those up is trust, curiosity, openness, and seeking leading into that, that full-fledged discipleship. And you respond differently um, because... Um, people want different things at that point. So uh, if you start sharing about, for instance, the beauty of some of the more intricate points of of theology with somebody who doesn't trust you, doesn't trust the church, it is going to be lost on them. That would probably be like using essential oils on somebody who had a broken leg. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't think it's going to, it's going to cut it. Um, But if you begin by establishing trust, I remember I, I went to get my hair cut, and the barber Asked me, well, what do you do? And I, I started explaining that I work for the church. And his response was immediately, I oh, used to do that, but I don't think anybody needs to go to church anymore. I just pray from home. And it was <laughs> it was one of those moments. Where was like, okay, well, you basically just told me that my job is a waste of time. Um, so how do I respond to you? And I could have combated and I could have argued yeah. with him and try to convince him. But instead, I thought, okay, let me listen because uh, he if I if I give him an answer he's not ready he doesn't trust me he's not ready to receive that yeah. so instead let me show him I, I i can be trusted and i respect him mm-hmm. and so i just invited him to share a little bit about his experience cuz i could tell it had been something had been bad enough to make him feel that way yeah. and he ended up sharing a lot and by the end of the haircut which is if you think about it, not that long he said you know i think we need people like you i'm i'm happy for what you're doing keep it up man And I established a little bit of trust without telling him anything about my opinion. And he was that much closer. Uh, And then that moves into curiosity. And that's kind of like if you only answer the question they ask and you don't say anything more. Um, And and so if if you're someone who just loves to talk and you love the faith so much, that's me. I'm thinking of myself here. We just need to bite our tongue when someone starts asking questions. We answer the question succinctly and then let them ask more. Because they're really just like they're curious about one little point um, and it's easy to overload them. And then when they're open, they come to you and and they start uh, having a little bit more willingness to engage in a longer conversation. Um, People are differentiated and we can't respond with one single answer to every person.
1: I agree. It really does start with listening. You know, listening. Uh Jesus showed us this time and time again. Another saint that was big on this was I just happened to have his prayer card with me, Saint Francis of Assisi. Ooh. Uh Saint Francis of Assisi. Uh, you know, his his famous the prayer of Saint Freisi, the Prayer of Saint Francis, which is uh seek first to understand, right? So, you know, if we can if we can do that and put ourselves in the other's shoe and listen to them, because that's really what Christ does if we look at all the encounters he has in the gospel, if we can do that then you're right. We're going to build trust and then be able to talk about the deeper things. Another paradigm that's helped me is thinking about the alphabet A to Z, right? Okay, if you meet someone that's at A and you try to give them X right away, you know, like the church is teaching on a difficult subject, that ain't going to work very well. God might not even want you to do that, right? You have a conversation at a bus stop or whatever. But say this person's at C and you listen well, you say a prayer, you ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance and you get them from C to D, that was your job. That's all God wanted you to do. That's all the time you had. You were one more drop of grace in that person's life to lead them closer to heaven. I got a friend that uh, said something I loved one time. He said that, you know, we help people get to heaven, you know, one hug at a time, basically. Every little thing we do can help. So I know we we love our faith so much, we want to cram it all down people's throats sometimes, but that's just not how things work, drinking down out of a fire hose, you know. We need to walk with people and listen and build that trust and lead them patiently to our
0: Lord uh, in the proper time. Indeed. So... Quick little pause in the action. If you are enjoying, we would invite you to do a couple of things. One, you could head on over to our Facebook page, Being and Making Disciples, and you could subscribe. And you could also subscribe to the podcast and share this podcast with any ministry leader you know and say, hey, you should check this out. You can also find uh, me on Instagram, dboyd 85 and uh, we would love to hear from you and hear about topics you might want to hear about. Yeah,
1: I'm glad you mentioned that, Dan, because what we're trying to do here is build a community of
0: folks. We know
1: there's a lot of people out there laboring in the Lord's Vineyard. We're trying to build a community of folks, lay, clergy, whoever wants to be a part of this, just sharing ideas and resources to keep us encouraged, share best practices so that together, uh,
0: as the church has always been called to do, we work together to fulfill the Great Commission. Amen. So a, a quick question, you might be wondering, how did this happen? Like, if this is so central to the mission of the church, why is it something that kind of fell by the wayside? Well, if you look back the the first several hundred years of the church, this was, it was clear. People, they went out with this explosive force and tried to make everyone Catholic. And then pretty quickly, they hit kind of the boundaries of of Europe and they're like, oh, wow, we made a lot of people Catholic. It's tough to, to do anymore, uh, And it got to the point where, we didn't even really need to practice this for a long time. And it, I think it fell out of practice. Um, but that early momentum from the church carried us for 2,000 years. And so I think if we pick it back up again, that's going to continue to carry us for a long, long time. Uh, but it will have to be intentional because it's, it's not a skill that, that all of us know anymore. So it's something we have to practice and get better at. But it is something we can practice and can get better at. I agree. And I think
1: that's where you might hear that term of a, post-Christian culture, or, you know, the, the times are different now than they were 1,500 or 2,000 years ago, right? So the environment's a little different, so um, I think that's why the Church, in her wisdom, called for this new evangelization. How can we look at the world around us today, listen and understand the needs of the world today, which is different than 1,500 years ago, 2,000 years ago, and say, okay, how can we bring Christ to this world today? Not forgetting Amen. our past, not forgetting who we are, but uh, adapting where we can to to make the gospel more accessible and um, really uh, permeate the culture
0: indeed so if if you are listening and perhaps you're not Catholic or you're Catholic and you're wondering, well, how do I begin um the church actually, they, they gives us they give us the sheet gives us a uh, at least one really, really good starting point, and that is uh, I would say, kind of the, the core message of the gospel. It's known technically as the kerygma. And um, it, in a nutshell, it is that um, we know God created us for union with himself, and uh, somehow that relationship was ruptured. And so we were no longer in union with God, living according to his plan and experiencing life as he intended us to. And so to fix that, he sent his son, and his son took on human flesh, so fully God, fully human, and then willingly embraced death on a cross to undo that ruptured relationship and restore us to that right relationship with the Father and one another. So by his death and resurrection, the Lord restored us to that proper relationship with the Father and offers that to us, and uh, what Christianity is... Is it's not so much accepting a set of beliefs. This is from Pope, uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth in Deus Caritas S, It is an encounter, and when you recognize that Christ isn't a person who was, He's a person who is. He's alive and wants a relationship with you, and offers you that very divine happiness. And life that he experiences and enjoys, he wants to share that with you. That's the core message of Christianity. And uh, just in going back to what you said earlier, uh, the reason we don't start with some of those more detailed, difficult points of theology is because once we love God and we know His love, then anything he asks and invites of us is comparatively simple and comparatively light mm-hmm. and easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and to to the person who has a reason, just about anything is possible. And the well, love of God is the greatest reason.
1: I think it comes full circle because earlier as we were talking about evangelization begins with trust. Our obedience to God begins with trust. God works in the exact same way. We have to trust him first, and then obeying the Ten Commandments becomes a lot easier. Listening to the guidance of his body, the church, and her teachings, all of them, becomes a lot easier. Because first we have to trust, but then after that... um, then that's when the uh, full discipleship can can take on. So I think God works in the same way that we're talking about today.
0: That is probably a great place to to stop, and if if we can figure out, all right, God is inviting us to do for others what uh, what he invites us to do with him and establishing that trust. Yeah. So if you have any questions for us, you want us to cover any topics, I want to give you an email address. It is being and making disciples all spell it out all words words no symbols or spaces being and making disciples at gmail.com we would love to hear from you and answer any questions you have uh, and we would also love for you to like comment subscribe all of the things and check us out on social media so thank you so much for joining us and we will be back for our next episode of being and making disciples god bless you and please count on our prayers